DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas. The United States Catholic Catechism for Adults is an adaptation of the Catholic Catechism. It serves as a resource for those who wish to become acquainted with Catholicism. It is an invitation for all the faithful to continue growing in the understanding of Jesus Christ and his saving love for all people. The United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. She was led by the Holy Spirit. Kateri Takakwitha was born in 1656 at Arsenonon, a Mohawk village in what is now Arisville, New York. She was the daughter of a Mohawk chief and a Christian Algonquin woman who had come to live among the Mohawks after being captured at Trois-Rivières, Quebec. Kateri was four years old when her parents and little brother died of smallpox. Kateri also contracted the disease, which disfigured her face. Two aunts and an uncle adopted her. The family moved to Cognawaga, now Fonda, New York. She proved to be an industrious young woman, but showed no interest in getting married. When she was in her teens, Jesuit missionaries came to her village. She was attracted to Catholicism, but experienced the opposition of her family and the tribe. Father James de Lamberville began to meet with her regularly, teaching her the faith and how to pray and open her heart God. In her twentieth year, she was baptized on Easter Sunday and was given the name Catherine, or Kateri in the Mohawk language. Since the villagers showed so much hostility to her newfound faith, she decided to leave home and go to a Christian colony of Indians near Montreal. There she spent the remaining years of her life. She promised to remain a virgin, she dedicated her life to prayer, penance, and care for the aged and sick. Every morning at 4 a.m., she arrived at the local chapel for Mass and contemplation. She was devoted to the Eucharist and the mystery of the cross. She died on April 7, 1680. Witnesses said her last words were, Jesus, I love you. They also testified that the smallpox scars on her face vanished. In death, she was radiant and beautiful. Blessed Kateri Takakwitha is the first North American Indian to be declared blessed. Her feast day is July 14. Along with St. Francis of Assisi, she is the patroness of the environment and ecology. She is popularly known as the Lily of the Mohawks. Pope John Paul II addressed 600 Native Americans on the occasion of Kateri's beatification. Noting that Blessed Kateri is a witness to her faith, he said, You have come to rejoice in the beatification of Kateri Takakwitha. It is a time to pause and give thanks to God for the unique culture and rich human tradition which you have inherited, and for the greatest gift anyone can receive, the gift of faith. The Holy Spirit works in the hearts of all who are baptized, but the power of his gifts is most evident in the lives of extraordinary witnesses to faith such as Blessed Kateri. 
Welcome, Archbishop Lucas. Thank you, Chris. Good to be with you. Chapter 9, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is such an important chapter because the Holy Spirit, he is a third person of the Trinity. The third person of the Trinity. And so God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, as we know, but manifested in the life of the world in the history of salvation in unique ways. Jesus promised the disciples that they would receive the Holy Spirit after he returned to his heavenly Father. I'm sure they were glad to receive the promise and trusted that if Jesus was promising something, they were going to get it. But I, my guess is that they didn't really know who the Holy Spirit was. So they were expecting a gift, but they weren't really sure what the gift would be, other than that Jesus told them the Spirit would give them everything that they needed to help them understand what he had taught them, understand the mystery of salvation in him. And of course, we know that when the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles at, at Pentecost, it was clear to them right away that Jesus hadn't called them to be secret disciples, mm -hmm. but that an important part of their life and, and work was to proclaim him, to, to witness to their faith in him. And of course, the Holy Spirit made that possible right then and there on Pentecost. They got right up and left the room and went out into the streets of Jerusalem and started that witness, and that witness goes on to this very minute. It's amazing that even in our previous chapter, we discussed how the witnesses encountered the risen Christ encountered Jesus and could see that what he had said would be true, and yet they were fearful. They didn't run around and shout from the rooftops that Jesus was raised. It took this moment, the reception of the Holy Spirit, to really give birth to it all. They, they still were weak. Remember, they had witnessed the crucifixion, and I, I think you know they may have been afraid that if they started proclaiming the resurrection, of Jesus, that the people put Jesus to death might try to shut them up, too. And, and mm -hmm. so there was some fear still, I think, and, and just some confusion. Remember, these were very ordinary people, for the most part, yeah. who Jesus had chosen to be the, the foundation of, of his church. So they weren't necessarily articulate, and most of them wouldn't have been used to public speaking or just even going up to a group of strangers, you know, to, to begin to talk about something so, in some ways, unbelievable. At the same time, we can just imagine they were almost bursting to tell it as any of us would be. The, the power of the resurrection of Christ was something that w was completely transformative for them, and you know, they wanted to share it. So it's this ambivalence, I think, that we all have. And so the Holy Spirit uh, is given to us to, at least great measure, heal us of that. So we're confirmed in our own faith, first of all. So I think the, we can say the coming of the Holy Spirit helped the disciples understand the meaning of the death and resurrection of Jesus, understand the meaning of all that we now here proclaimed in the gospel, the miracles mm -hmm. of Jesus, his life and his teaching, so they could be confirmed in that themselves, but then have the, the desire, the, the courage, the wisdom to share it. Mm. The Holy Spirit, we an imagery in the scriptures, a strong driving wind, flame, uh, even coming down as a dove, all these different images how can we really grasp the Holy Spirit when it comes in so many different packages? What comes through is the dynamism of the Holy Spirit's action in the church. The Holy Spirit is not incarnate as Jesus was, so there's not a, not a human body, a human nature. And so we're talking about a, a person of the Trinity, our personal God, but not a, a human person, so that, that mm -hmm. we can we use images to try to understand, you know, the the presence and and the power of, of the Holy Spirit. 
But it, the description of the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost is indicative, you know, really of, of the power now that's come upon the infant church that fills the, the, the infant church. And we can speak of, of ourselves having been incorporated into Christ, being temples of the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Spirit dwelling in the church herself as, as a whole, not just dwelling in a passive sense, but enlivening, really giving form and purpose and, and direction and, and energy to the life and the mission of the church that Christ established mm-hmm. into which church now the Holy Spirit has been breathed, holds the church in this great dynamic activity, missionary activity, until the Lord comes again. Mm. That infusion of the Holy Spirit into the apostles is the same Holy Spirit we received. I remind young people of that when they're being confirmed. When the Holy Spirit came the first time, you could feel this energy in the room and you could see the, the tongues of flame. There was a sound like a driving wind. The Holy Spirit hasn't gotten tired over all these centuries. Even though the Holy Spirit's dwelled in so many believers over all these uh, generations, the Holy Spirit's not divided up in little pieces. It's, the, it's an encounter with the, the third person of the Trinity. That same powerful gift that was given to the apostles on Pentecost is, is given to us in baptism and in confirmation. That knowledge is a great source of strength and consolation for us. And when we hear in the scriptures or when we hear the exhortation that we heard so often from Blessed John Paul II, do not be afraid, that's not an empty encouragement we have within us the Holy Spirit and all the Spirit's gifts. And so really no reason to be afraid to live as disciples of Christ and to to proclaim him to the world. I love in chapter 9 one of the subtitles, the Spirit is the immediacy of God. How marvelous. I've never heard it described that way before. Mm -hmm. The immediacy of God. Once the Holy Spirit's come upon us, we can say that the Holy Spirit's closer to us than the air we're breathing. Mm. That the you know God really is alive in us. When we say we're temples of the Holy Spirit, we're not just talking metaphorically. That living within us, who are baptized and, and confirmed, is the Holy Spirit of God. For some, they may say, well, I don't feel on fire. I don't have this zeal that's outpouring. How do I know that it, it's real? Yeah, again, a good question. That's partly the result, I think, of living in such a secular culture mm-hmm. where anything spiritual seems to be sort of second rate, you know, it's uh, because the culture is so immediate and noisy. We tend to think that if there's something I can't see or experience at some deep gut level, mm-hmm. that it's less than real. So we have to acknowledge that that's, um, that's the pond we're swimming in. So the life of the church is important as we come together, particularly in our worship, but also in our in our private reflection and, and prayer, it clears away some of the noise and the clutter that makes it possible for us to experience the presence of, of the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit is a spirit of wisdom and understanding, among other gifts, we can encounter the, the power of the Holy Spirit in our conscientious study of our faith, in real sincere curiosity and a desire to know more. To just say, well, I don't understand it, I don't feel like the Holy Spirit's here, well, you know, that's a kind of an immature thing to say. Mm-hmm. If we allow ourselves to be drawn into the mysteries of our faith and study them, pray about them, reflect on the scriptures, the Holy Spirit it will be able to, to work in and through all of that. And even though we're not aware, perhaps, that it's the Holy Spirit stirring within us or giving us the, the insight or even the, the desire to know more, it's very clearly the action of the Spirit. How much of our free will is in play on this because I think one of the most beautiful prayers that I 
I seem to turn to it every day, um, Archbishop Lucas, is come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. How often do we close our hearts to the Holy Spirit? may not even realize it. Sure. Well, and that prayer continues in Kindle, in us, the fire of your love. Mm-hmm. And so it's the, the life, the, the spark of divine life, we might say, in us that the Holy Spirit brings that makes it possible for us to, first of all, understand and receive God's love for us in, in Jesus Christ and to respond to him in love. Mm-hmm. So the Holy Spirit, in a sense, sort of warms up our will, you might say, doesn't override it at all. It's not a coercion or a, sort of an overpowering of God's presence, but it's the, the Spirit dwelling within us that warms our hearts to connect with the love of Christ so that our response to him is a, a response to teaching, perhaps. It's a that's a response to miracles or to mysteries, but it's the response ultimately to the person of Jesus Christ. And that was really the, the preaching uh, from Pentecost on that really caught people's attention and convinced them. It was the invitation to have a personal relationship with the Son of God in the life of the church where he lives and reveals himself in various mm-hmm. places and, and in various cultures. So the, the Holy Spirit makes that, that relationship with Christ in love available to us, sort of warms us to that, and, and then really provides that, that spark so that it is a living relationship between the Lord and ourselves. A meditation found in the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults. In the life of faith, there are always two movements, God in search of us and we in search of God. The poet Francis Thompson described God's attempts to reach us in terms of being the hound of heaven. Thompson said he felt God coming after him and yearning to give him love, but the poet was not ready. I fled him down the labyrinthian ways of my own mind. I hid from him. At the same time, God has stamped in our souls a longing for Himself. We are born with a longing for the divine that cannot be satisfied by anyone or anything short of God. We are created to be seekers for the absolute love, which is God. Thompson not only experienced God as the hound pursuing him, he also felt his own hunger and thirst for God. One day he stopped running, turned, and rush toward God. Naked, I wait thy love's uplifted stroke. My harness piece by piece thou hast hewn from me. I am defenseless utterly. And God, the other seeker in this spiritual drama, says, Rise, clasp my hand, and come. The Holy Spirit presided over this spiritual adventure. It is the mission of the Spirit to help us draw near to God. When the Holy Spirit is present and active in our lives, we can have the experience of His presence. In chapter 9, it does give us wonderful helps in how to kind of nurture that gift of the Holy Spirit to kind of open up our hearts. So I would imagine we can 
encourage people to take a look at that in, in that particular section. But what about those gifts? Do we pray for a particular gift or do we receive what we need? I mean, what is the proper disposition and what are they? Well, the, uh, the gifts, are, one of the ways of talking about the gifts is there are various manifestations of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, providing us with what we need in a particular moment or circumstance to both hang on to and grow in our faith ourselves, but then to be able to live it in our moral choices, in our worship, in our relationships with other people. I think prayer to the Holy Spirit, to invite the Holy Spirit to give us what we need at a particular moment, you know, I can't say for sure, but I count on the fact that that's a prayer that's always answered. Mm -hmm. If, If we really want what God wants us to have at a particular moment, if we're faced with a temptation or with a choice between something good and something better, an opportunity to be generous, uh, the challenge of forgiving somebody for doubt or confusion, that happens to everybody. At that moment, ask the Holy Spirit to give us what we need to be faithful disciples of, of Jesus Christ. I can't imagine that prayer would not be answered, that we would have what we need. Again, so uh, most of the time it doesn't come with a big fanfare. What I often experience is that what I first get is the trust that I am going to have what mm-hmm. I need, even though I can't quite see what it is at the moment but that I uh, receive that consolation from the Holy Spirit that the gift is on the way. You know, even even if I don't quite have it, it doesn't seem to be at hand, which means that, of course, it is is there. God is already granting that. Part of the catechesis for those preparing for confirmation is to learn the the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, to learn what they mean. And there again, the Holy Spirit's not just about a number of different tasks or divided up into into -hmm. different aspects, but the gifts are a a beautiful way, a rich way of, of talking about how the Holy Spirit helps us respond to Jesus. He's calling us. He's waiting for our response both to him personally, but also the the response of our lives as we live it, not as secret disciples of his, but live our faith in public, whatever our vocation might be. An excerpt from the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom understanding, counsel, also known as right judgment, fortitude, also known as courage, knowledge, piety, also known as reverence, and fear of the Lord, also known as wonder and awe in God's presence. Fruits of the Holy Spirit, Charity, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, and chastity. Holy Spirit, that still small voice deep down inside of us maybe that helps us when we approach the sacrament of reconciliation or is that inside of us kind of helps our hearts when we encounter, takes us deep into our wounds, those wounds that may lead us to sin. It's a movement in a very real way, isn't it, inside of us? Sure, movement's a good word because the Holy Spirit is, is very much alive and, and I think that we're cooperating with the Holy Spirit, then our faith is alive and, and active. And not a 
simply signing onto a list of things that we agree to are you know doing certain tasks but the, but the, there is this dynamic relationship with Christ in our accepting from him the commission to be his witness as the Holy Spirit makes that possible there is uh, one person who clearly had a a wonderful relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit, and that is the Blessed Virgin Mary. In some ways, people refer to Mary as the spouse of the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful relationship she models for us. Yes, as in all things, Mary really takes the lead and, and gives us, from her own experience, such, such a beautiful example. You're right, she had this intimate uh, contact with the Holy Spirit that... Um, made it possible for uh, the second person of the, the Trinity to take flesh in her womb, was with the apostles at Pentecost and as the first disciple of Jesus and the best one and as the, the mother of the church, very much aware of the central importance of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church, the life of anyone who wants to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, sincerely. A prayer found in the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. Lord, by the light of the Holy Spirit, you have taught the hearts of your faithful. In the same spirit, help us to know what is truly right and always to rejoice in your consolation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Any final thoughts? Because I suspect throughout the catechism we're going to be encountering the workings of the Holy Spirit. So uh, the, our discussions about the actions of this person of the Trinity, the, whole, the Spirit of God, but any final thoughts for this particular chapter? As you suggest, we should pray to the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, there's many simple prayers, and we can do it in, in our own words, but the, the Holy Spirit makes this intimate personal contact with God possible for us at every moment now that, that we're baptized. We have the, the life of grace, God's own life mm -hmm. within us, and the living presence of the Holy Spirit in us. I encourage young people, again, at the time of confirmation, to ask the Holy Spirit, for what they need, and if they are being tempted, or they're confused, or they're doubting, or they're feeling that they're kind of being dragged along by peers into something you know that they really are pretty sure isn't the best thing for them or, or for other people, that they just ask the help of the Holy Spirit. Just is just that simple. Again, it doesn't mean the whole world changes right then and there, but it, the asking and the openness to, to receiving what the Spirit will give us is a, a very beautiful encounter with the living God. That that's part of our experience in the church. Mm -hmm. So we can be very grateful that we are provided with this precious gift. And as I said, we should have the courage these days. We need it. We need the wisdom to understand you know, how to really live and apply the faith in the circumstances in which we find ourselves. And we need the, the courage to witness to our faith in Jesus Christ by the way that we live, but also to invite others to experience what we experience. The gospel is offered in every age as a gift of hope to people to come into life in Christ there's no reason why that hope should not be offered in our time and place. The world needs it more than ever, it seems like. And we're the ones who, who are sent uh, to do that, and the Holy Spirit will give us what we need to be those, uh, this is those inviters. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Your Excellency Archbishop Lucas. Thank you. It's great to be with you. 
You've been listening to the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas. To learn more about the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults, go to usccb.org, the website for the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or download this episode, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join me next time for the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas.